This episode is brought to you by 510Co. I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick of taking L's on sneakers app, and especially taking L's on getting basketball shorts. Are you tired of taking L's on basketball shorts? Check out 510 at 510co.com. The most comfortable NBA-inspired basketball shorts at an affordable price. Everybody should be able to drip on and off the court. No L's, ever. 510co.com. That's 5-T-E-N-C-O.com. Also check them out on Instagram at 510co. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. It's your boy, Eman. It's your boy, Mo. Today on the Killer Crossover Podcast, we are joined by uh, my homeboy, uh, sports fanatic, uh, one of the dopest, cleverest, smartest dudes I know, uh, Jordan, stacks on stacks on stacks, lats. Hell uh, yeah. Of this top, top t- excuse me, Tap Room Sports Podcast. Beer connoisseur, A's legend, Bucks fan. He's gonna talk a lot of shit today, so you better be prepared because he got he's gonna empty the full clip out on Giannis haters. Sharks <laughs> connoisseur, man. This dude is just one of the, one of the all around good guys, man. I've been wanting to get on this show for a while, and I'm happy we finally got my guy, uh, guy on the show. So please, everybody, once again, welcome Jordan Stacks on Stats Lats, the killer crossover. Let's go. <laughs> Hey man, that was a that was an awesome intro, man. I need you as my hype man, Mo. All off, all off the door, man. Just call me Swift Star, baby. Call me Swift Star, man. Hell yeah, man. I'm I'm excited to be here, man. You know, definitely excited. Obviously, my Bucks won the championship, so it's always fun to talk about that. Uh, you know, with all the trials and tribulations we've gone through, so very excited to be here. Definitely excited to talk some hoops, especially with the draft around the corner, man. And that's really where you know my expertise is. So I'm, I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked to be here, man. Let's do this, yes, sir. So let's go. Let's get it. All right, uh, man. That NBA Finals. I mean, all right. You know what, Stacks? Let's let's start with you because I mean, <laughs> that's your team. This is Giannis is your boy. Go ahead, Hello. man. Take the floor. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than that was one of the best finals performances I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and I'm talking, you know, 93, Mike versus Phoenix, uh, Shaq in 2000, LeBron in 2016. Those are the only other finals performances I would even argue were better than what Giannis did because Giannis did it on both ends of the floor. And... This guy literally bent his knee backwards like a fucking deer a week before that. I mean, it's absolutely incredible how he was able to come back and how he persevered. And he dropped three 40-plus games, a 50-piece to close it out. But most importantly, the defense he displayed was phenomenal. And the two biggest moments in that series, which we often go back to 10-plus years later, we're always going to remember the block, and then we're going to remember the alley-oop. And those are the two moments that nobody will ever be able to take away from him. You could say he doesn't have a bag. You could say he you know, doesn't get uh, style points from rushing judges scoring baskets. But what my guy does is he gets to the basket efficiently and nobody can fucking stop him. 61% from the field, uh, average 33 points in the series, almost 15 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals. Just an incredible performance, man. Incredible. Definitely. I mean, 
you said it yourself. You did it on both ends of the floor. And the two plays that you mentioned that we're going to remember for basically for our lifetime. And that's going to be replayed every year after year after year. Every time the finals comes around or anytime the Milwaukee Bucks play even. Yep. The block and the alley again, showing that it's done on both ends of the floor. I can't, to your point, I can't remember a finals where someone's performance on both ends of the floor was highlighted. Yep. And that, let's say Hakeem in 95 might be the closest. You probably, actually, now that you mentioned that, yeah. But even then, it's not as memorable. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just recency bias, but it's not as memorable. I don't know if that's going to be as memorable as this is going to be, as this yeah. performance is going to be. Yep. And the crazy thing about this series, too, was, I mean, Middleton was, other than that 140-point game, he was kind of non-existent in the whole series. And when I was handicapping the game on uh, our gambling show for game six, I said, you know, the, the way I figured game six was going to play out was Middleton was going to be probably the leading scorer. And then Giannis was going to do what he does, 33 points, 15 rebounds. You know, we can always count on him to do that. If you told me the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win that game and Middleton was only going to have 17 points, I would have been like, dude, you're crazy. There's no <laughs> way they're going to win that game. But Giannis really, I mean, he willed that team, bro. Like, he was like, we are not losing tonight, period. Like, we are not going back to Phoenix. <laughs> that was the most, <laughs> yeah, and that was the most incredible thing about the whole series to me, man. Yeah, I like in terms of Giannis, I'm I'm, I'm gonna this is this is the Giannis appreciation segment of the podcast tonight. Uh, so I'm gonna start by saying I, I love to root for athletes that come from humble beginnings, um, and Giannis is just one of the cats that you just hope he wishes he does well. You you want to see him do well, just because of the humility um, humility that he he possesses every night on the court. He doesn't he's not arrogant he's not cocky he's not a mean guy in any sort of the, any shape or form of the word he lives and breathes Milwaukee you can tell he loves that city he rocks with his guys he wants everybody to eat first and he'll do what he does to show up to show everything up but I just love seeing guys like Giannis develop because again this man comes from humble beginnings uh, born to Nigerian parents uh, his parents immigrate to uh, to Greece because there was a lot of things going on in, the, in Nigeria at the time. So they moved the, the, the family to Greece to give the, the kids um, a better life. And they're selling, they're literally selling trinkets and stuff to try to make ends meet. They didn't even know where their next meal was coming. So as an American, you know, we're, we're spoiled as shit. So when I hear things like that, it makes me really appreciate what I have. You know, hearing how yeah. he grew up. So him um, jumping towards his teenage years when he's starting to get all this NBA um, NBA attention, uh, you can see the potential right off the bat. You know, he had a great feel for the game. Thank you, but he's raw. But there's something about this kid when I saw his draft tape, something about this kid when he got the right coaching and the right nutrition and he put the work in his body, Something was gonna be there because he had he had the will to already, and I kind of credit his development uh, to Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd was the head coach in Milwaukee. After Kidd got fired, unfortunately, that's when you really saw Giannis 
take off. And, well, um, I mean, I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback there. I do think he has an ego. I mean, he showed it after he won where he was like, you know, I stayed here and I did it. I didn't take the easy But is route. that necessarily a bad thing, though? Because he was no, speaking and, facts. And, and when you're when you're arguably the best player on the planet, you deserve to have an ego. You know what I'm saying? Like he has been humble throughout his whole career, and he gets shitted on, dude. And he he obviously has bunny ears because he heard what everybody was saying uh, about him, whether it was Richard Jefferson or right. Kendrick Perkins. And that's and why I wasn't of, mad. I wasn't mad at him saying those comments because you think about we, we're going we'll, we'll fast we'll go back uh, two years in '19 when they lost to Toronto. And that's when all the whispers started. You know, the no mm. bag, the, the he can't shoot. So for him to say what he said about super teams and staying in Milwaukee, I felt like he was justified in saying that. Absolutely, 100%. And Mo, you, you know me long enough where, you know, I kept telling everybody after that Toronto series, I was like, look, this is not on Giannis, dude. Like he was getting quadruple teamed and his teammates shot 20%, everybody aside from him. You can't win an NBA basketball game, especially at that high of a level, Eastern Conference Finals, if everybody around you doesn't contribute. And that was the big part of getting Drew Holiday because Eric Bledsoe was such a, a, a letdown in the playoffs. Every time he got to the playoffs, you know, this guy giving you nine points. Now, Drew Holiday, I will admit, he didn't have the greatest scoring output in the playoffs, but what he did give on the off, on the defensive end was elite, 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 elite wing yeah. defense. And he, he made Put the yeah, he made on. everybody's life a living hell that he guarded in the playoffs, dude. And yeah. that when speaks volumes nicely. Yep, and when Booker started going off in games in game six, then they put him on on uh, Devin Booker. Chris Paul had a better game, and then Devin Booker shit the bed. So yeah. whoever started going off, they would they would put him on him. And I, I think that has to do with some of his offensive deficiencies because he's exerting so much energy on defense, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, the growth of Giannis has just been incredible as a leader. More importantly, I think. Um, I think there was a moment in game two when they were down, I think it was like 16 points and you could see him yelling at everybody and slamming the chairs and saying, yo, like, what the fuck are we doing, dude? And that was the game where he scored like 18 points in the third quarter and nobody else really helped him out. Um, So, I mean, this just seeing the growth, like you mentioned, of Giannis has been amazing. And man, being a champion, bro, it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy because uh, and you you mentioned after game two because uh, that was when they went down two nothing. Uh, Phoenix took that two nothing lead, and everyone was talking. Everyone was bla- basically blaming Giannis, but at the same time, like there was a stat that I seen that Giannis was the only one. I mean, and I don't put too much weight in plus minus, but Giannis was the only one in positive. He was, I think he was plus four over those first two games. Everyone else on the Bucks was at least negative double digits. Reminded me of LeBron in those Warriors series when that dude would go out for two minutes and the Warriors would go on like a 15 to zero run. <laughs> it's three after three after three. They get they get down 16 and be like, okay, LeBron, go back in. You got to go back in. Yeah, yeah man, that, was, that was incredible. That was, that was insane. Exactly. But yeah, man, I mean, like that was... But like I said, what I alluded to earlier, this was similar type finals performance, you know, where Giannis yeah. really carried the Bucks. You know, other than one game where Chris Middleton kind of went off, you know, the rest of the series was all Giannis. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, you see his relationship 
and you know the the challenge that Kobe gave him uh, before you know rest in peace Kobe before Kobe passed away the challenge that he gave Giannis first first to get the MVP and then he said congratulations you know this is greatness next up championship and you just saw especially in games five and six Giannis just had this look in his eyes and the only other time I've ever seen that look was Kobe and it was just you could just see that Giannis had that I mean it's as cliche as it sounds he had that mama mentality where he was going to take over and he was going to do whatever it takes to win and like again I just I've never seen anything like I've never seen that look on anyone's face in the finals since Kobe yeah well I, I was impressed with his performance but what I found most impressive was the way that he came back from that injury like I, I've, oh, yeah. I've seen I've seen that injury maybe 25 30 times and when I slow mode it it looked really worse like the way to see that knee just been like that the first thing you're you're, you're thinking is ACL like I think we all thought mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it really hurt me because like I said I I, I genuinely am fond of this kid I, I want to see him win even though he doesn't play for my team he's just one of the good guys that you want to see succeed so when I saw that it, it you know it, it hurt as a basketball fan it hurt so for him to come back in the short amount of time that he did I remember texting Jordan I'm just like uh, you think he risking it he was just Jordan was like bro it's the fucking finals bro <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the finals man the finals. like you know you I mean, don't know yeah. you don't know how many you don't know how many more uh, more opportunities you're gonna get to to play for that open exactly. prize so yeah just, just that, that, that right there alone just added more to my level of respect for Giannis because that, that was a nasty injury, and just those, those performances in games five and six, especially how he just took over, like it was reminiscent of damn near Shaq against the 76ers in 2001. Like he would not be denied. He was an unmovable object out there. Like he was getting to any spot on the court he wanted, anything he wanted to do. He made Aiden look fucking silly. <laughs> Aiden was Absolutely Aiden was great silly. the entire postseason. Remember right. what Aiden did to yeah. Jokic? I mean, right. he made Jokic look mediocre. Right. Jokic right. won the MVP, and then you know Giannis did whatever he wanted with Giannis Aiden. did whatever the fuck he wanted when he wanted. So he made him look like a little kid. Right. So yeah, all these did, people dude. that say question his eliteness and always want to throw out the no bag, like let's just let's just throw out throw out that nonsense. Just give props what props are due, man. Right. Oh, and he's only gonna get better too. Right. Yeah, that's what people don't realize. He's 26. He already has two MVP awards, a Defensive Player of the Year award. He has the Finals MVP, a ring, and he's only 26 years old, and he's not even in his athletic prime yet. He still he still has three more years before he hits his athletic athletic prime. So, if he gets um, a consistent mid range jumper, if I'm the rest of the league, I'm I'm shitting bricks. <laughs> I mean, he had a. He really showed off his uh, post moves, though, in that series against Aiden. I mean, he hit a lot of post turnaround fade, yeah. uh, fadeaways, yeah. dude. And I was like, even I was like, I mean, I've been watching this kid like every single day since 2014. I was like, holy shit. I never seen Giannis do this. Right. Yeah, He really he really waited till the last minute to unload <laughs> everything, dude. Yeah. And I think not I only his fadeaways. Not only his fadeaways. Sorry, Mo, uh, but no, not, not only his fadeaways, man. Like... I remember there was there was one specific play that I tweeted right after I seen it. He 
was being covered. He was so he was being essentially double teamed. They were kind of playing a zone down in the down in the post. And he comes through and he swims over, I forget who I think it was I think it was he swims over Aiden. And then he catches the ball in triple coverage, drop steps in between and slams the ball. Like oh. that that's not not having a bag. That's that's footwork right there. Exactly. And it's improving your it's improving your post game during a time when people are saying he needs a post game. You know, that's that's exactly what Shaq was saying he needed to do was catch the ball, make a quick decision, quick move and finish. Well, I think a lot of it, too, was, I mean, most of the year and especially last year and the year before that. Giannis didn't, they never really played Giannis at the five. You know, Brooke was yeah. always in there. And if Brooke wasn't in there, Robin Lopez was in there or another mm-hmm. big was in there. This was really the first postseason where Bud said, all right, we're going to run a lot of Giannis at the five. And that, that's where it changes everything because then you have four players around him that can shoot the ball. And then you have him in the post. And if he can mm-hmm. catch it lower, it's harder to double and triple team when you have the ball in the post than it is if you have the ball coming downhill. It's much easier to double and triple team and in the post you could see guys coming so you know where the openings are for the passing passing lanes and that was a huge adjustment i gotta tip my cap to budenholzer because i have been saying fire this guy for like the last year (laughs) and now now i'm saying man give him the 10-year contract extension sign it (laughs) let's go i think that's what ultimately that's what tipped the pendulum in their favor of winning the uh winning the championship is when Bud had went, uh, made that move and put Giannis at the five. Uh, what happened in the Brooklyn and, series? That's where uh, things really changed. That, yeah, yeah, too. So me, me and Jordan, we, we talk often about Bud and his lack of adjustments, and we and we came to a mutual agreement that if his offense wasn't so perimeter heavy, and he would post his bigs up more, and not just fall on the sword on just playing one style. They mm-hmm. they could have had a couple of championships by now, arguably. So yeah. I was I was pleased I was pleased to see that Bud finally was able to um, get out of his comfort zone and shake things up, and it's ultimately um, won them the title. So that was yep. that was surprising to see, uh, surprising to say the least, because I felt like no matter what the outcome of the series, whether they won or lost, Bud would have been back regardless because he beat Brooklyn in Brooklyn in that game seven. When that happened, I said this on another episode of the pod. When that happened, that's when Bud was solidified. I'm like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, mean, I thought not. if he lost to Atlanta, he was gone, dude. Right. I, and I, I, I'll, I didn't think I'll there was the any chance they were going to lose to Atlanta. I'll be I don't first really think admit. anybody thought they were going to Atlanta was going to win that series anyway. I mean, yeah. I preface that by saying nobody knew that Giannis was going to nearly wreck his knee, but I think people had the Bucks winning that series pretty comfortably and you know sorry to see that happen but thank God for Chris Middleton who went crazy in those last two games oh yeah yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll be the first to admit I mean the, the last couple episodes I've been bagging coach Bud um on our on our podcast and like and we we talk about we talk about him not making adjustments um, I think it's the in-game adjustments. I, I need to correct that, and I need to admit that I was wrong. It, it, it It's the in-game adjustments that he needed to work on. But as far as his adjustments for, for the series, I, 
there was a stat that I seen. I think it was um in games in the games one and two. He was two and four in the playoffs or something. Two like two and four, two and six, something like that. But from games three and on, he finished twelve and two. So that I mean, if that's not making adjustments, then then I don't know what it is. So I do need to. I, I will admit that I was wrong, and I will give Bud his props. I did say that if he if they got swept in the finals, that he was going to lose his job. Mo, you you called it. He's not he's not going anywhere, and especially now that they won the championship, he's not going anywhere. And just but, and just man. think think now, like who knew that. Milwaukee, Wisconsin would ever be, you know, the sexy destination. So now since they got yeah. a chip and Giannis is ascended to that top of that mountain, they're gonna get some quality players now. Especially since back. they got those the their core three locked in. Right. Right. Drew exactly. Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. They're locked in for at least yeah. three more years. So they got a good chance running it back next year too, if everybody's healthy. But then the league's ever changed, so. Well, I mean, they're probably losing Bobby Portis, so that's a that's a tough production to replace for what he was getting paid. That is true. Uh, he he took a massive pay cut, which kind of helped the Bucks. But yeah, man, it's gonna be they got some work to do, man. And uh, Horse has been very good at building this roster. You know, a lot of people said that there was no way he was gonna be able to move off Bledsoe, and he did. Um, so that was huge. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do, man. I'm excited. Most of the team is returning. Dante, the whole starting five is returning. Dante DiVincenzo will be back from injury as well. And then Pat Connaughton is coming back. And you got Jordan Nora, who went off for 33 points for Nigeria yesterday uh, against Germany. And that kid is a baller, dude. I'm telling y'all, like, watch out for this kid. He's going to hoop. That's why I think it's not going to be that big of a loss um, if Portis doesn't leave. But... Yeah, he's got some work cut out for him. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, Giannis's teammates, man, Drew's impact is just, I mean, you, Jordan, you you alluded to it earlier in the episode where you talked about his defense. And that was one of the biggest things because going into the finals, you know, on our, on our last episode, we talked about how Drew Bledsoe's stats mirrored Eric Bledsoe's, I mean, sorry, Drew Holiday's stats mirrored Eric Bledsoe's yeah but then it but then and that yeah that's definitely true offensively but then his impact defensively is where the difference was especially in the it's home. crazy too because Bledsoe's a great defender too uh <laughs> but he's not on Drew Holiday's level and that's how that tells you how good Drew Holiday is I mean Eric Bledsoe's a first team all defensive yeah, point guard two years in a row that. he made that you a couple years right yeah so I mean the fact we're saying Drew Holiday is better defensively, like I don't think people understand like what that says about Drew. Like he is much better defensively than a first-team All-Pro defender. <laughs> That's oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 Man. Uh. But other than other than the other than you know Giannis playing out of his mind, Drew's, you know Drew's. I don't even I don't even have a word for it, but his defense, the the way his elite defense, I mean elite is really the only word I can think of uh, to describe it. And Chris Middleton's, you know, Chris Middleton has been a consistent uh, source of just everything, everything that the team needs throughout the whole playoffs. 
we got to talk about what happened to the Suns. Yo. How did they melt down? How they like they went up 2-0 and then all of a sudden just basically if it wasn't for those first two games, they would have gotten swept. <laughs> gotta gotta yeah. credit the Bucks defense, man. Gotta credit the Bucks defense. And they Definitely. and obviously they had no answer for 34. Zero. Yeah. I mean, game one, the Suns had a great game plan. They attacked the drop coverage, you know, and Chris Paul and Devin Booker just went bonkers. But the Bucks adjusted game two, and although the Bucks lost game two, the box the Bucks lost game two because of an anomaly. Uh, you know, Phoenix Suns just shot like sixty four percent from three, and the chances yeah. they're gonna do that, and and it was tough shots too. I mean, they were hitting buckets that were like hand in their face, uh, fucking sidestep from twenty five feet. Booker was hitting some tough shots. I told people on Twitter, I said. Bro, the Bucks win this game nine out of ten times if they played that exact same game, and I felt very confident going into Milwaukee. I felt they adjusted very well, and they should have won that game, and they would have won that game, and they won four times in a row, which basically proved my point. The Bucks were—they just wore down Phoenix with their size, and this is yeah. two finals in a row where size has been the determining factor in the series, and I think that's why you see the Warriors go out and draft a James Wiseman, and that's why you're gonna see teams look for versatile bigs now because if you don't have size you're gonna get your ass beat in this league oh yeah definitely and i think you're definitely seeing that turn where the league is going back to the big man it's not necessarily just gonna be you know just pure size but a mix of size size with guards and stuff because chris paul was too small for drew holiday drew holiday was just bowling him yeah. on yeah. offense and defense. And then Booker on the other end, he can't guard Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's too big. Booker's 6'5", yeah. Middleton's 6'7", Middleton's like got a 7'3 wingspan. Like he was just, if, if it was basically whoever Michael Bridges was guarding wasn't going off and then the other guy was. So when he was guarding Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton was struggling, Drew Holiday went off. When Michael switched on to Drew, that's when Chris Middleton started getting buckets in game five at the end of the game. Um, so really the Suns, like, I know that they say they want to bring back CP three, but defensively, I felt that that was a huge challenge for them because Devin Booker is not a great defender and Chris Paul is small and he's getting yeah. old. And other than Michael Bridges, you don't have a great wing defender out there. And Aiton is going to be a great, great player. Like, don't get me wrong. He's young. This was his first playoffs, made it to the finals. He got beat up by Giannis. This is only going to make him better. And that kid had an incredible postseason run. Speaking of CP3, you said that, you know, you mentioned that the Suns want to bring him back. What should they do? Should they bring him back? Should they let him go? I don't think there's a, what's the next best option? I mean. Lonzo Ball, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Lowry. None of those guys make you better. Yeah. You know, maybe Kyle Lowry. Maybe Kyle Lowry makes you the same, but he's not yeah. gonna make you better. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're about the same size, so they don't they don't yeah. they don't make you better at all. If you're CP3 going into next season, do you think this roster is gonna has another has a chance to go to another finals? Well, they're in a very interesting position. Um, you know, if AD doesn't go down, they probably lose that first round series because they were losing two to one in the series when AD went down. Um, 
but they're in an interesting position because you have, you know, Booker just got his extension. You have Aiton coming up for his second contract. And then you have Michael Bridges right after coming up for his second contract. And then Cam Johnson, who Cam Johnson played a huge role on this team. Oh, definitely. So, so they have to set themselves up for the future. And I think for Chris Paul, it's a perfect situation because they can sign Chris Paul for two years. And that gives them flexibility once they have to go and uh, at least you know sign an offer sheet for michael bridges or at least make a decision from there on right um and i just don't see a better situation do i think they make the finals again i don't um i think they're they have a lot to do but they could also package michael bridges cam johnson and you know maybe not sign resign cp3 and go out and get you know a dame lillard or something but again dame lillard's small he kind of causes the same issues dude worse defensively i mean in my opinion i feel like if phoenix suns feel like they're confident enough to with the squad to run it back then they should be all in on chris paul now do i think that they will do that i mean right now i would say no but then there's a lot of factors into that statement you know you have the draft tomorrow night you have free agency um that starts i think on monday there's all these different trade rumors. People are trying to get aggressive. The Warriors are looking to tr- uh, make some moves. The Lakers along with Ben Simmons. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, we, we I don't want to I don't want to continue to harp on the the health caveat, but I've already you guys already know how I feel about that first round series had it had it gone a different way. But you know, props to the Phoenix Suns for making it to the finals. I think they had everybody shocked and pleasantly surprised that they made the deep run as they did, but I cannot sit here and say that they just didn't have a little bit of luck on their side along the way. Well, I mean, they always say the luck favors the prepared, Mo. Right. I, I get it. I get it, but I mean, and I don't want to get into coulda, woulda, shouldas, but you know, but you if... Do. Yeah, but <laughs> if things went differently... I'm not just throw out the first round series. If things went differently in the Western Conference Finals, we'd probably be having a, a different conversation right now. Oh, for I sure. I think if Quiet. Kawhi Leonard was fully healthy, I don't think the Phoenix Suns win that series. I personally don't. And this is coming from a guy they that might, can't stand the Clippers. They might not have, but Aiden was going off in that series. And who on he the was. Clippers? Yeah. They're not going to really change that. Yeah, I think a lot of what Phoenix wants to do, though, I think it all comes down to their their opinion on Michael Bridges. Like, do you think Michael Bridges can grow into a larger role? If you do, then I say re-sign Chris Paul two years. That sets you up to get a, a max extension for Michael Bridges, or you know, you could move on off of him if he doesn't grow. But I mean, I I love Michael Bridges, man. I got. But do you see him as that type of? Right here. Do you see him as that type of player? Like, in your opinion, what is what is Michael Bridges? ceiling like can you develop more into just the quote-unquote three and d guy you see him I mean, as a I 20 point score he, he had he made some plays off the bounce too um i felt that was a big part of phoenix's problem too like their offense got very stagnant after game one and then it just became the devin booker and chris paul one-on-one show and then the other guys just kind of like Stood around. got bored yeah and i felt that was a huge part of their issue too I do think Michael Bridges can be like a Chris Middleton. I think he has some ability to dribble. He ha- that obviously has a great jump shot already, you know, and he's only going to get better. He played under Jay Wright at Villanova. Villanova. Every Villanova cat, I'm telling you, bro, anyone that plays for Jay Wright just knows how to play the game of basketball. Like, they are, 
good yeah they're smart high iq good basketball players dude and he's obviously a great defender dude he showed it throughout this season and in the playoffs like he's he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be an all pro defender probably next year and to that and to that point you know there's a difference between three and d guys and championship three and d guys because you got you got your clay thompson but cp3 and booker got to give him those opportunities because they don't pass him the ball definitely you know well, Booker's, all, Booker's next step in his in his growth is to play some defense. And it's it's all about how Monty Monty uh, you know scouts things. Like if he if he has that that faith and that confidence in Michael, he should run more plays for him. You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't just be uh, Book and CP3 or Bus. Like should open it up, run some plays for Michael, get Aiden involved, and I think it'll be much more dangerous moving forward. Um, question for the panel though: what, what, What's your what's your thoughts on DeAndre Eight? How did you feel like he, he he played overall in the postseason, and what could he have done different in the finals? I mean, he's he was great in the entire postseason. You know, he got kind of got overwhelmed by the best player in the league in the finals. So, you know, I was giving. But I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid, bro. He's only in his third year. You know, he's only what twenty two years old, and yeah, he showed a lot of promise. To- dude on both sides of the basketball and i think phoenix has something great moving forward me personally i think i hope he learned as much as he could this year because a lot of his growth most of his growth this year was because of cp3 and if cp3 is gone next season then Aiton's gonna have a hard time repeating the performance that I mean, he you had. You can say that for the whole team. Like his, it, yeah, definitely. But then, you know. but ex- except for except for Booker. You also have to remember though, before he got hurt in 2019-20 season, the Suns were they're above 500 team when he was on the floor in, in 19 and 20. Yeah. So and then they went eight and zero in the bubble with him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So he does make an impact. It oh, was all sure. about. Is all about him staying on the court, and he was able to do that. And of course, CP3 is going to help him. But I mean, the guy has—he's been a quality starter, and now I think he's going to even grow more because he has this experience in the playoffs and he learned a ton. Definitely, I mean, he could be a lot better next year. Definitely, I just, I'm just what I'm saying is I hope he I hope he learned as much as he could because then absolutely if he, because if he didn't if he if he just went out there and played because CP3 made it easier for him then his development is going to go slower without these without CP3 but if he if he took in and internalized all that he learned playing with CP3 then he could take that with whatever point guard he's playing with because he could he could tell that point guard hey look give it to me here or you know just get this shot here or set it up here and then I'll do the rest if the last thing you want DeAndre Ayton to do is to turn into DeAndre Jordan <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think the potential for this kid is limitless. He has great two-way potential. Um, you know, I read an article about him specifically about his growth this season in the Atlantic, which is um, one of my favorite apps. I, I love love reading stories on that app. But he talked about what stuck out to me in that article that I read is he talked about he wanted to be the best two-way big uh, in the league. Like he 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 prioritizes defense and he has he has the willingness and get better 
And I, honestly, I think I think he could be better than Gobert. I mean, right now, Gobert is considered by most people, maybe I'm generalizing here a bit, as the best defensive big in um, in basketball. I don't believe that to be true. I think he's, I might sound like a hater, but I feel like he's won a couple of his uh, Defensive Player of the Year awards off of uh, popularity and re- reputation alone. Um, but I do That's see, all the defensive teams are, dude. <laughs> just put it out there, man. I know, just put it out there, but I feel like going back to DeAndre, I feel like he can be a better big than Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert's ceiling, I mean, he, he's much more off, offensively gifted on uh, than Gobert is. So if that's the ceiling, I can see him stepping over that. By the time this kid is 25, 26, he could be a walking double-double. I mean, he already is, but he could, he could average 20 and 10. He's on a consistent basis if he gets his mind right. I, I, I completely agree with that. That'd be scary if he averages averages 20 and 10. Let's talk about this draft tomorrow. This draft that's gonna happen tomorrow. This is this is a pretty crazy draft. This is the draft class that people have been waiting for. People have been stocking up draft picks for and posturing for like everyone was posturing for this year's free agency and also hyping up this year's draft class. What do you guys think as far as tomorrow's draft? I think we have three generational players in this draft. And the fact that all these GMs are trying to trade up into the top three just proves it. Cause I've never seen this much action trying to get up into the draft, into the top three in the draft. So, I mean, that tells you at least where we're at with the top three. I mean, the top three is solid. We can, it's definitely going Cunningham, Green, Mobley. It could flip flop either way. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think that's what we definitely know about this draft. Personally, I think this is a very deep draft of a lot of productive players, but outside of the top three, I don't see many franchise changing players. I think you got to really hope you strike gold. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? But I think a lot of these guys can be rotational players, dude. Even into the deep into the second round, I see a lot of these guys like Jason Preston out of Ohio. You know, he's someone I really want Milwaukee to get at 31. We need him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the top three is pretty much locked in. They're going to be the top three. What the order? I'm not sure, but the the top three are pretty much going to be the top three. I feel like after that first three, you have your your four through four through six who could go who could go in any order in in those numbers, and then you have from seven all the way to like twenty, where any of those players projected to go in there could go in any order from seven to 20. And it's, it's crazy. I think I haven't even seen like four like through that. 20, bro, to be honest with you, because I've is seen true. Chris Duarte's name being pushed to from Oregon, getting pushed, talking about he's going to go, um, a lot of teams are interested in him. The Knicks are trying to trade up into the lottery and they're targeting him supposedly. Mm-hmm. And then you got Josh Giddy from Australia, the 6'6 point guard. A lot of teams, even the Warriors, yeah, have been, been uh, scouting him. Yeah. Memphis yeah. has been scouting him pretty heavy, is too heavy too. So, I mean, a lot of this could go crazy. Jonathan Kuminga, I think he's going to go to Orlando actually at five. They 
seem to be enamored. And if you're familiar with John Hammonds, the GM of Orlando, he's the guy that drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo from um, the Bucks. And remember when the Bucks ran out that that lineup with like Michael Carter Jr. He was the shortest guy at six six. That's the type of. I mean, I would not be shocked if Kaminga gets drafted by Orlando. That's like John Hammonds. I was, was going to say Kaminga. Kaminga reminds me a little bit of Giannis his rookie year, and I just. I don't know, and I, I've even seen mock drafts having him slide down to to eight, still to Orlando, but slide down to eight coming out of that top five. Because yeah, he's I an see, interesting. Uh, he's, a, I mean, just athletically gifted, bro. Like, oh yeah, he's kind of athlete super around very often, but yeah, his skill set is very very raw. Um, so I think Orlando's actually a good fit because Orlando's not gonna be good next year, so yeah. it, it allows him the opportunity to play. And, and develop. go through struggles, you know what I'm saying? But Orlando's also known for not drafting very well, you know. So who they knows? Haven't gotten it, they haven't gotten it right since Dwight. <laughs> you know, Mo Bamba, like whatever happened to that guy, dude? Right. You know what I'm saying? Jonathan Isaac's pretty nice though. Jonathan Isaac's. Yeah. Well, he's coming off an ACL injury now. Yeah, so that who is knows true. if that it'll true. ever be the same. Yeah, those are scary. Well, yeah, but how, this is it. Go ahead, bro. I was gonna ask, how are y'all feeling about K? Like, do y'all really think that he's that dude? Is he the is he the franchise savior, franchise alter, altering player I keep hearing about? I think the top three are are generational players. Um, you know, Evan Mobley remind he's like a unicorn dude. He reminds me of like a mixture of AD and um, and Chris Bosh with a little bit of KD in him because he has some handles too, and he's seven feet. He's very versatile. He moves his legs on defense and offense like a guard, so he can go out and guard the perimeter. And those kind of guys are rare. Yeah, I like um, this game a lot. Jalen Green is a very smooth scorer. You know, he's not great defensively, but he yeah, but he can he can score the basketball, bro. And he's gonna be he's gonna come in and be a 19 to 22 point per game score right out the gate and then Cade Cunningham I do think he's great man he has great vision his size is phenomenal he's got a smooth feel to his game he does need to work on his outside jumper plus his shot selection is pretty questionable at times but he was playing on the Oklahoma State team that didn't have a ton of talent so he had to kind of force up a lot of shots yeah Um, but he's gonna be a He's going to be a guy I could see coming out his rookie year averaging 16, 8, and 6, dude. Is he and rookie of the year in your all, opinion? All the rookie of the year, or would that be Mo? Oh, that depends on situation. I would honestly, if, if <laughs> I if I had to make a bet, I would probably take Jalen Green as rookie of the year. So I think his offensive game is like ready to go right now. I mean, is that I think assuming that he too. goes to Houston or. Um, I mean, anywhere really. I just think big men take a little longer to develop, right? Oh, definitely. Because playing that big Weissman in the NBA right is now. a little different. Yep. But yeah, we're seeing that Evan Mobley has a ton of potential. Been, yeah, and I think I think Evan Mobley is gonna his his development's gonna move faster than Wiseman because Wiseman didn't get to play full college season. He only played three college games. He's yep. basically and now this is gonna be the second summer camp that he well the summer second summer camp that he misses and then. Who knows if he's gonna be actually ready for training camp? So that that might be a second training camp that he misses. Um, but that's true. But um, going back to going back to Cade, I think I, I agree. I agree with you, Jordan, that he could average 16, eight, and six. This guy, and we forgot to mention, he's six eight. 
he's a six eight combo guard like this guy they're comparing him to grant hill which i think is actually a really good comparison um you know could be a, could potentially be a three level scorer uh does need to work on his defense but he has great vision great ball handling especially for someone at his size and like we said earlier the league is turning is taking that turn and it's going back to a size heavy league yep absolutely kate is going to be a great player dude i have no doubt in, in the top three what do you think about OKC reaching out to Detroit to get into that top three, to get to get that number one pick to draft Kate Cunningham? I mean, they have like a million draft picks, so for them to like <laughs> give up one or two is like it's whatever gonna, to me. Plus, I give up four. <laughs> Plus, I mean, Shaggy just Alexander, he's gonna be coming up off after his rookie deal here in two years. So, I mean, I just think their timetable is like a little off with SGA, and that's kind of why they're trying to move him. I think they're trying to rebuild with like a Cade Cunningham and then tank again next year and get like Chet Holmgreen or they change the CBA and you can draft Imani Bates or in two years you get Wembyana from France who's like a fucking oh my if you guys haven't seen this kid play you guys are in for a treat coming up here in a couple of years been watching plenty of Imani Bates tape for the last two years and sheesh yeah, he's nice too. No weakness he's, to that kid, bro, at all. He's one of the smoothest scoring players I've ever seen. He's got to get meat on those bones, though. All right, yeah, he's super yeah. skinny. Yeah, definitely. Man, that kid's a bucky. Yep. What do you think? The, what do you guys think the Knicks are gonna do? Either so the Knicks, Knicks are do ton some of dumb cap shit. Space. <laughs> they got a ton of cap space. They have some draft picks. So I think with the Knicks, it really comes down to how they feel about Julius Randle. If you think Julius Randle is going to replicate what he did last year, I think you have to go out and get uh, use your draft picks and some of your young players to get a high-level superstar. Because really, they lost that Hawk series because they couldn't get a fucking bucket when the offense rained down. Every single one of their buckets relies on you know a set and in the playoffs your sets get ruined and you get down to the end of the shot clock and you need somebody that can make something happen and they don't they didn't have that guy maybe rj barrett can become that guy but you were the four seed last year in the east you had a chance to make a playoff run you should have beaten um atlanta if you if you think about it from the knicks point of view so if you think julius randall is going to replicate what he's going to do take that draft pick and some others trade it for a guy that's ready to win now but if you don't think Julius Randle is going to replicate that, because that year was an anomaly, you know, he, he had his career year and it was like a seventh season. So if you don't think he's going to replicate that, then I think, you know, you look to move up in the draft, which they're doing, which tells me they don't think Julius Randle is that guy. Yeah. To your point, they, they are looking to move up in the draft. They offered, uh, what was it? They're, they offered two, their two first rounders for the Warriors number 14. And not even not even number seven. They they offered it for number fourteen. So I mean, they're they're looking to move up, but they're not looking to move up like crazy. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the and, Warriors, uh, yeah, got the seventh and fourteenth pick. There's been some rumblings that the Warriors are looking to package those picks, one or the other, for a another star. So, in your humble opinion, Ian, what what do you guys do with those two picks? I think we end up picking. 
I think we end up picking picking with those two picks. They're gonna try to trade the picks. They're gonna try to at least trade seven. Um, I mean, and a lot of a lot of that is gonna come down to whether or not Bradley Beal requests a trade uh, tomorrow. Which he hasn't or, officially yet. He, he, he hasn't. hasn't he hasn't officially. Yet. I don't think he's going to, to be honest. Um, and even if he does, it's not gonna happen tomorrow. So the Warriors are gonna have to make the picks and when you make the picks and you're still going after a star to trade for you're you're kind of in this limbo where you have to operate as if the deal's not going to happen just in case but you also want to make picks that are going to appeal to whoever you're tra- trying to trade with so okay so with that being said with the 7th and 14th pick what do you do? Do you go best available or do you try Man. to get 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 steps and corn help? So you try to you try to do both as best as you can. So what I'm what I'm thinking is with seven, you're go, you're probably going with Book Knight or Moody because I feel like they're players who can contribute, especially Moody. Moody's got an NBA body already. Uh and he's a pretty good scorer um and he has that potential to become you know a really good rotational three and d guy possibly even you know possibly even better with development uh so seven i'd probably go moody 14 that one's tough it depends on who's available i've heard a lot of davion mitchell could slip to 14 um me personally i'm not too fond of Davion on the Warriors. Yeah, that's hard. It depends on who's there. For me, I'm going Chris Duarte just because just because I feel like he could be a three and D guy that you could plug in. We're gonna right have now. like 40 wings on that team. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's what I was just gonna say that. So we do need to go size, but I feel like I feel like it's a wings league. Like you, you can't do anything in this league without elite wings that could play, that could go three and D. And Chris Duarte is that three and D guy. You also need size, though, especially size that can stretch the floor. For sure. Um, I mean, if we're talking best available, I I don't, I don't see this, uh, I don't see this scenario happening, but. If Scotty Barnes is still available at seven, I think you take a look at him just because oh, no, it's easy. Yeah, he's going to be he, on. He can't shoot worse shit, so I don't know how he fits in the Warriors, but he'll probably, <laughs> he's still young, though. Yeah, he'll probably be gone by seven, so that's probably a pipe dream, but just to just to get, oh, yeah, get no, to see he's the fast break, be on the fast break with Steph and catching lobs, I mean, it might, it he might be... he can't shoot for shit. You know, honestly... <laughs> I think I think he goes four or five. Uh, if I was Toronto, oh, yeah. I would take a hard look at yeah. Scotty Barnes at four. And he's yes, definitely a top four. Top they, got, five. they got too many guys like that on Toronto. The OG and Anobi, Pascal but see, Siakam. But see, here's the thing: like you put you put uh, you put Fred VanVleet at the at full time one, and then you go OG, Scotty Barnes, and. Pascal Siakam at the two, three, four, because like you said, it's you need size, and if you go big like that, that'll be a a good eight seed. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, if you could get their defense on 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 par with each other and just 
if Scotty Barnes could develop a shot, I mean, he could be like right now as a rookie. I think there's no way Toronto passes up Jalen Suggs. Because they're losing Kyle Probably Lowry. not. But then yeah. if that happens, if that happens, there's no, I don't think I don't see any way Orlando passes up on Scotty Scotty Barnes. Uh yeah, except it's John Ham. Yeah, actually Scotty Barnes is a John Hammonds type dude too. So Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. And maybe maybe they maybe they think Mingo will fall to eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely could. If he doesn't go because Oklahoma City is not gonna take him, I don't think. Yeah, Oklahoma City is a tricky one. I don't know who they're gonna target. Yeah, they're they're a wild card. I'm not sure what they're doing. Like, I'm just confused by the brain the brain trust, if you will, with OKC. Nah, I, I think bro, I don't they understand got, what it is they're doing. They got Pokusovic, and that kid is awesome, dude. But he's super young. He was only 18 years old last year. Yeah. He's not even 19. So, I think they're looking. I think that's why they want to move SGAs because you know they're still trying to tank and and rebuild a little bit they're not trying to like immediately compete but pick six because they don't get like a franchise type player it puts them in a very tricky position dude like then okay if they're if they're if they don't think SGA is the guy anymore then why would they it just doesn't make sense why they would continue to no 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 I think it's not necessarily that they don't think he's the guy it's just he is going to be due for his second contract in two years yeah while they have all these draft picks so i think the way they're thinking is like all right let's just restart our clock we got pokusovic who's 19 now and then we draft a guy this year right if if they're able to move up into the top three they get a you know evan mobley at three let's say then you have mobley and poku and then next year you're not you're not gonna be good next year so you're gonna have like 18 uh, first round picks next year and next year's draft is good too and Chet Holmgren probably would go number one in this year's draft and he's going to be in next year's draft so you would say you would just just trade SGA uh, to avoid paying him that long term deal and just start over that's that's what you're saying that's what you would do (laughs) well I just think that their their clock is just off because you want all your you want all your max contracts to come up you know simultaneously simultaneously right yeah and so sga is going to be like two years off so it's going to throw off their they're going to probably say they draft like two solid guys in this year and draft next year they're probably going to lose one of them because they're they committed that huge contract to sga so if they were to move sga where you see him going say if they traded if they were if i I don't think he's going to get traded at this point they've already tried everything dude I mean, I don't know what else they can do. I mean, they have so many draft picks. I'm like, dude, why don't right. you just trade like two of your first round picks in SGA if you really want to move up to number one? And if I'm yeah. Detroit, dude, if I'm getting two first round picks plus SGA, that's like a no brainer. Right. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, you got somebody who's already ready to win, but at the same time, maybe they're thinking the same thing. Maybe Detroit's thinking the same thing, but they want everybody else, everyone on the same timeline, um, and they're, they're possibly trying to trying to move Jeremy Grant for for, a, for that same reason. That would be a that'd be a huge gift for a contender. Oh, definitely, definitely, absolutely. I wanted Jeremy Grant on the Lakers for a minute. Man, you Laker fans want everybody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they think they can get everybody. You expect anything <laughs> less? Technically, they can. Hey, listen, <laughs> you expect anything less? We're spoiled as shit. Leave me alone. 
It's been like that our whole life, man. <laughs> I've already I've already heard Westbrook, uh Kyle Lowry, uh DeMar DeRozan, CP3, Dame Lillard, CP3. Dude, I mean, who else y'all getting, dude? I mean, I do. Y'all getting Lonzo back. Listen, I do. Call me crazy. I do think that 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 DeRozan Lowry combo could actually happen. No, I definitely could, and I I also think that you guys are getting Buddy Heal for sure. I wouldn't mind that as long as it gets Kuzma the Forever Twenty One model off my squad. I'm for it. Here's here's my question though. Like, how do you how do you get both DeRozan and Lowry? Because DeRozan take, said he's willing to take a pay cut. Take, um, he's willing to take a pay cut, but I mean, so so they'll have they'll have the taxpayers' mid level exception, which is about six million dollars. And it would hard so to take a he's going to take a pay cut to six million dollars because yeah, I mean, Lowry, he's already made Lowry wants, money. Lowry wants three years, thirty uh, ninety million, so thirty they'd, million a year. They'd probably have to move Kuzma. That would, so that would have, have to be a sign and trade. They would have probably have to move uh, KCP as well. Dennis is good as gone. He's not going to get the money that he wants from us. So, so they, what, they, they what, can make it work. I think they just have to be creative. Yeah, but and so, Montrez so Harrell. They'll have to they'll have to sign and trade for Kyle Lowry, yeah. which would hard cap them. And yep. then and then they like Demar Derozan would really have to agree to less than six million dollars. I think it's like five point eight million for the taxpayers mid-level exception which i mean that's yeah he's made a lot of money in his in his career but that's he also said he has to you have to fight you want to try to find that balance between getting paid and winning a championship and yeah but you can i mean look at what bobby portis did last year i mean bobby portis is going to get starters money he's going to get like 17 18 million dollars a year and but he took that opportunity to win a championship because he said this might be my best opportunity to win a championship and DeRozan could do that too. He could sign one year for like six million and go chase a ring, and then he can go venture off. I also don't see a team throwing out Mac. Like, who's gonna pay Max money for DeRozan this year? Not that many oh, teams no, have any max, money to spend. Yeah, no, not Max money, but man, you could you could get better than than the mid level exception. Oh, for, for sure. sure. On a, on I just contenders. don't. But his role is also gonna be diminished on any team he goes to because unless he goes back to San Antonio, I would assume. So, I mean, he's in an interesting place because not that yeah, many teams me, have money to spend this offseason. For me, if I'm the Lakers, I'm I'm focusing on Lowry and Buddy Heald because with, with LeBron, you need people who well, can they get Buddy Heald, they can't get Lowry. That is true because they're going to yeah. have to uh, sign and trade for either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Buddy I think Buddy Heald's more... Mess. I think Buddy Heald's more attainable because... People over really, buddy. He can all he can do is shoot. That's it. Yeah, he shoots a three. But that's the kind of player the Lakers need. That's what they were yeah. missing all year was a knockdown three point shooter around LeBron and AD. So Definitely. it makes perfect sense for the Lakers. So I wouldn't see the I can't see the Kings getting much more than Kuzma and KCP and a draft pick. You know what I'm saying from anybody else in the league. Like nobody's trading to pay Buddy Heald the type of money he's making just to shoot threes and not play defense. Right. Great point. So then you're going DeRozan and Buddy Heald. Yeah, I think that's the most logical situation. Or I, or I, Westbrook I, and Heald. Because I can't I can't see I can't see DeRozan, Lowry, and Heald. No. Like, like those. Nah. Nah. Yeah, it, yeah, they couldn't nah. do it. No, they couldn't. I 
I think the most logical situation for them is DeRozan healed, and they. I think that's the best thing they can do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. If they get, if they get DeRozan, they need AD to accept being the center. He's gonna have to. He has no choice. But I, I personally, you know, I'm gonna go to his house and tell him. Yeah, he has no choice, bro. <laughs> We're better when you're at the five. We've seen it. We've seen it. Good things happen when you're at the five. But you're, you're like seven foot. Taller, right. you're a freaking center. <laughs> but I'm I'm so cool off Russ. So that's that's the rumor. Like, let me let me start by saying Laker Laker rumors just irritate the irritate my soul. This is coming from a Laker. <laughs> I, I hate it with the absolute passion. I don't give it any legs. I take it with a grain of salt. I roll my eyes at it. I do not want Russell Westbrook anywhere near the Lakers. I do, do not. I don't think he winning basketball i think his philosophy with chasing triple doubles will will clash with lebron and ad i just at this point man he, he he's always been he is and the thing about russell westbrook is like we've talked about for years what he could be instead of who he is and like he's a great player he's the most he's one of the most athletic people to ever uh, play the point guard position, but he's a stat pattern. He only cares about triple doubles, and I don't feel like those triple doubles quantify into wins. Like yep. he, like I think you brought it up uh, last year. Stats his plus and minus, plus and minus is fucking terrible. Like that's not winning basketball. That's not conducive to winning championships. Why would I want to put in a guy on my team that's all about his stats first and the win later? So that's 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 my end of my rant. I don't want nothing to do with Russell. <laughs> like I'll admire him from the far, but I don't want him in Lakers colors, bro. Because I don't see he makes us better at all. Give me DeRozan, give me Larry, give me Buddy Hill, one of those combinations, and I'll be I'll be cool. I mean, if the Wizards trade him anywhere, if we can keep THT, I'd be very happy. Happy because that kid has a bunch of potential. Well, he's probably going to have to be involved in in a deal. Yeah, and should have got more minutes in that Phoenix series, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, now if if Russell, if the Wizards trade Russell Westbrook to any team, then they should trade Beal, and vice versa. If they trade Beal to anyone, they need to trade Russell because they they basically would just be waving the white flag, saying, you know what, we're going to rebuild and try to collect as many assets as they can. Speaking of, they should probably send Russell Westbrook to New York. <laughs> Get some of those see that or something. <laughs> hey, Westbrook is a uh, what's his name? Fit like type of player. Who's the head coach of uh, Tibbs Knicks? Yeah, Thibodeau, dude. That's his type of player too, dude. Dude that just hustles I, all the time. And I think Westbrook has the type of personality that could take the New York fan base. Yeah. Being being in New York, I think I think he has that type of personality, I mean, it, and it's the fashion capital of the, yeah, I mean, of the NBA. It, it, it makes sense for him. It makes sense for him off the court, but on the court, like the dude's gonna be thirty three, and Thibodeau likes to really like ride his quote unquote star players. So you're gonna really. He also likes vets too. Yeah, but yeah. you're really gonna play a thirty three year old point guard with extensive knee issues. Bro, he'd play a 40-year-old 40-plus minutes a game. 
Derrick Rose. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing anybody that he likes 40 plus minutes. He don't care how old yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he played me 40 minutes a game if he liked me. Mm-hmm. He would. And he'd run you into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. This is a segment that we like to call the fast break. We are going to All right. shoot some questions at you. They're going to be All right. quick answer questions. Obviously, if there's some elaboration that we need, then we're going to give you a chance to elaborate. But I mean, All right. whatever you think of first, go ahead and, and shoot it at us. All right. All right. Let's do this. All right. Uh, I'll go first. All right, Mo. Um, three point shootout or home run derby? Oh, three point shootout. Nice. Um, right, when did you discover your love for sports? Oh man, like shoot, probably like four year, three or four years old. Nice, nice. Follow up question on that. How did it help you? How did it help you shape who you are today? Oh, man. I mean, basketball, I mean, from the time I was in fifth grade to my freshman year of high school, I played year round 365 days competitively. And, a, you know, sports teaches you how to work with people that you normally wouldn't work with. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of different personalities on the team. You have to learn how to, you know, coexist to get the job done. What inspired you to start your own podcast? Man, I just hear all these shitty ass fucking uh, big media shows, and I'm like, dude, these guys are clowns, man. That's and what I was we like, said. <laughs> I was like, dude, I need to exactly. like do something fresh and just, just you know, give it how it is, like unfiltered, like just what I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. We could definitely relate because that's pretty much how we started too, or that's where Hell we got yeah. the idea for it too. <laughs> uh, what is the worst name you could give your kid? <laughs> oh man. Uh shoot. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, damn. And my man's a Niner fan fired. too. You know. You know. Hey, you know what? You know what? I'm on I'm on the Trey Lance train anyways. Lance will make you dance, baby. <laughs> Uh, favorite sports moment? Oh, man. my Oh, this finals this year, man. Like, that block and then that alley-oop. If, if there was a camera on me, man, y'all would be cracking up because I was all, I was bouncing all over the place. Like, woo! Yeah, but it, besides this year, I would say, uh, you know, USC when Reggie Bush was there. Uh, some of the best teams I've ever seen play football and that, and I'm a huge USC fan. That's like the team I've grown up liking the most um, for the longest time. So, you know, seeing USC that good when they were was just an awesome time. Nice, nice. Uh, this isn't one of my questions, but I was just kind of wondering, how did you become a Bucks fan? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! So these people in this sports group called TSDN were giving me mm-hmm. shit because I didn't have a favorite team. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be a Bucks fan, dude, because I love Giannis. I loved him since the day he came out. I just saw something special in him. And, I've, uh, you know, basketball is my favorite sport, dude. I grew up a Michael Jordan fan, like most people our age did. Mm-hmm. When Michael Jordan retired, Steve Nash was my favorite player because I went to a Santa Clara basketball camp, and he was there. And then he got drafted, like, the year after, and I was like, that's my guy, you know what I'm saying? So I became a Steve Nash fan. 
And then LeBron, CP3 are two of my favorite players. And then when Giannis came, I was like, all right, I'm sticking with my guy, dog. So nice. honestly, so if Giannis were to leave the Bucks, I would probably be whatever. I'd probably be a fan of the team he goes to. I'm not going to lie. Nice. So, so you've always been consistently a fan of players, not necessarily of teams. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, especially kids in my generation, dude, like we grew up idolizing Michael Jordan. I wasn't a Bulls yeah. fan. I was a Bulls fan because Michael Jordan was on the team. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And the se second he left, most people in my generation became Laker fans because Kobe was the next Jordan. But I always looked down upon Kobe. So I was like, nah, there can't be another Jordan. Like, there's only one Jordan, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't hate Kobe or anything, but I kind of like didn't pay him that kind of mind like most people did because couldn't let nobody pass up Mike, dude. <laughs> speaking of right speaking on. of Kobe, funny that you mentioned his name. This is my final fast break question. Uh, I've gotten to this debate since eighth grade. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and ask you, did Shaq really carry Kobe? No, it was like, they coexisted, but Shaq was a dominant force on that team. They had to change rules for him, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, that's how dominant of a player he was. And I think, I think because since social media has been born, We've been praising Kobe, and Kobe's a great player, dude. One of the top 10 greatest players of all time to ever play this game. Bar none. There's no debate about that. But we've lost sight of what Shaq has done because as years go on, we just look at Shaq like this big dude. And for some reason, social media has killed basketball's big man game. Like now, all we want dudes to do is dribble 35 times and then shoot jump shots. It's not about getting the most efficient shot on the basketball court, which is a layup or a dunk. Yeah. And we've kind of lost sight of that. And every time there's a good big man now, we're kind of like, oh, well, he was just bigger than everybody else. So that's why he was good. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the whole no back thing with Giannis. Like people think that because you can dribble and do an and one crossover or you can shoot the three well, that that constitutes as a bag. But no, there's different ways to get a bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's different ways to score. You don't. Not everybody has to be a James Harden or a KD. 100%, dude. Speaking of M1 crossovers, I just need to get this out because it annoys the crap out of me. When Kyrie spun and landed on his butt and got back up and continued his dribble, he lost the dribble <laughs> and he slipped. He didn't try. Slide, bro, he didn't NBA try to do. He, he didn't try to do the NBA street move where he where he jump where you jump and you you know you land on your butt roll over and you're still dribbling. He didn't try to do that. He mishandled the ball, slipped trying to get it, and then the world recovered. may never know. So, <laughs> the world may never know. Watch watch the film in slow motion <laughs> and watch his reaction on his on, on his face. But <laughs> I digress. Anyways. My last question, if life were a video game, which video game would you make it? Oh man, dude, I'm not a big video game guy. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go old right. school and I'll, okay. I'll, no, say, I'll, I'll say Zelda. Ooh, ooh, that old school OG RPG. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, just because you're not too big a, a video game guy, if, if life were a movie, what movie would you make it? 
Oh. Or what type of what genre movie would you make it? I mean, my favorite movie of all time is Godfather 2. So Ooh. great choice. Great Definitely. choice. Uh, nice. I, I, like like it. I like it. I'm a film that... buff. <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's one thing most people don't know about me. Speaking of films, <laughs> you're gonna think I'm crazy for asking you this question, but what did you think about Space Jam 2? <laughs> Man, it was cool. I watched it with my daughter. Uh, LeBron's definitely not a good actor. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think we can all agree on that. But you know, it was, it was honestly better than I anticipated. And it's not like the first Space Jam was any good, anyways. Like right. we were just yeah. kids when it came out, so we see it a little right. differently. But I was watching the original Space Jam with my daughter, you know, a few months ago, and I was like, "Damn, dude, I really thought this movie was the shit when I was younger." <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking (laughs) well that does it for this episode of the killer crossover podcast again you can find us on instagram the killer crossover podcast and you can hit me up on twitter at emankoa at e-m-a-n-k-o-a and mo you can find me at on twitter as well at your boy mo 87 stacks tell them where to find you at you can find me on Twitter at Jordan Rules TSP. I'll be saying crazy shit. So <laughs> follow Plug me. your podcast, bro. Where can they find the Taproom Sports Pod at? Plug it. Oh, uh, you can find Taproom Sports Podcast at Taproom Sports Podcast on Instagram at Taproom underscore sports on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can go to www.taproomsportspodcast.com. We have four podcasts a week. We talk a lot of gambling, so if you are into making money, you definitely want to holler at us. We went 2-0-1 today. We didn't have a losing game today, so hit us up, man. I appreciate to, I y'all for having me here. We appreciate you blessing us with your presence tonight, man. This has been a long time coming. Like I said, I've been wanting to get, get you on our for a while now so i'm glad we made it happen bro thanks for blessing us with your presence i gotta get y'all on the pod too man i gotta gotta return the favor and get y'all on soon we'll we'll work it out with the schedules because we usually record like late late y'all record early early yeah (laughs) yeah you could you my man got a yeah my 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 man got a a infant and i'm a grandpa these days so i see you yawning over there dude i'm like come on man what are we doing (laughs) grandpa these days bro i'm in bed by 10 yeah my my baby girl's turning 10 months on friday so Maybe, oh, man, maybe it's a in blessing, a couple huh? more months. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I love, I, and I've, I've said this before, I love the fact that my first kid was a girl and because my, my daughter is just everything. And, you know, the that hashtag girl dad, it's not it, like, it's not, I didn't want to become, I didn't want to become a girl dad because of the hashtag. I wanted to, you know, just have that father-daughter relationship because I've seen it in it's so many in so many so many father-daughter relationships where it's just that bond is just crazy yep 100 percent, man appreciate y'all though for real yes sir for sure but again hit us up on our socials and if you want to be part of the episodes if you want to guest star or if you want to just give us any topics that you want us to talk about or if you just simply disagree with us and you want us to call it call it out on on an episode then talk your go shit ahead and, go ahead and go yes, ahead and sir. hit us up all right, yep. <laughs> all right. Yes, and sir. 
We are out. Peace. Peace, y'all.